You obviously know Kung Fu. Hey, this is Vlad Rimberg, fight coordinator and indie filmmaker, and you're listening to Kung Fu Drive-In Podcast. Welcome to the Kung Fu Drive-In Podcast. Adjust your speaker box, sit back, relax, and remember, your Kung Fu may be good, but mine is better. Returning tonight, filmmaker, fight coordinator, action director for the Netflix series Lucifer, Vlad Rimberg. Vlad, thank you so much for coming back to the Kung Fu Driving Podcast. Oh yeah, thank you very much for having me. It's great to have you back. I'm a fan of your work, obviously. I'm a fan of your short films, and uh, I know the stunt community that has grown up around you, so uh, I've gotten in touch with a lot of that, and um, it's nice to see that there is so much creative energy going on in that community. Now, since we last talked, the biggest change for you, though, has been the arrival of your daughter. How has fatherhood changed you, brother? Oh, it, you know, people say that whenever you have a child, you have a whole new outlook on life. And I think if you're a decent human being, that is absolutely true. Everything is just much more wonderful, more beautiful. Yeah. And uh, you have this little being around that you just want to give everything to. <laughs> and I'll be very honest, like, um, I'm extremely lucky. My child sleeps through the night, and she's, for the most part, a happy baby. So, that's good. hell yeah. Good on mama. What's your name? Uh, my daughter's name is Sabar. S-A-B-A-R. It means uh, patience in Punjabi, Hindi, Farsi, and other languages. Patience. That's beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> that's cool. Now, uh, one of the things that happened to me when I became a dad, and I have three, so I'm up on you a little bit, but um, I... Well, admit right now that I got a little soft. I mean, and it's um, it was noticeable because I got overly emotional <laughs> at things that involve you know dads and kids. You know, certain uh, scenes in movies would start to uh, make me tear up and things like that. Not ashamed to admit it. Totally love it. Have no problem with that. But has that happened to you yet at all? Definitely, because you have a <laughs> brand new connection in life. Yeah, um, you can start relating to characters and scenes and just life in general in a whole new way because of this little being that's right next to you. <laughs> it's great. Now, has that bled over into any of your fight scenes yet? Do you do all your fights now end up with a hug? <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, I'm still as violent as ever in, in my creative world. But uh, I do have a plan now. When my daughter is 10, I want her to fight Amy Sturdivant. And Ooh. when she's 15, I want her to fight Mickey Facinello. Nice. That's going to be awesome. <laughs> I I can't wait, but at the same time, I can wait. For, sure. For, from a parent standpoint, let everything take its time. I'm enjoying this phase where my child is uh, beginning to learn how to crawl. Yeah. So I don't have to chase after her just yet. <laughs> yeah. Everybody tells you that it goes really fast, but it doesn't really make sense until you turn around and your kid's in high school. Exactly. <laughs> Now, uh, have you thought about that kind of thing, though? Are you preparing ways to introduce the fight game to her and have her start training and working out with you? Well, actually, um, at home, when it's just me and her, I'll go ahead and I'll start throwing blocks and kicks and punches and I'll make noises. <laughs> and she smiles. She reacts to it. As far as any kind of content, uh, we're just uh, showing her five little ducks at the moment. You know, five little ducks went swimming one day over the hill and far away. As a yeah. parent, you begin to learn all these songs. 
Oh yeah. With the kid. So five little ducks for now, but uh, we do have a little choreography bit nice. that I like to showcase to my buddies. Very cool. <laughs> I think, I think uh, one day it'll uh, go live. <laughs> Sabar, the almighty already in the making. Oh yeah. That's cool. <laughs> okay. Well, aside from your daddy duties, Lucifer season four, the saved season recently dropped on Netflix. Congratulations on that getting to the air. Oh yeah, thank you very much. Uh, most viewed show on Netflix, and it's got a hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes. So yeah, hopefully there'll be a season five. <laughs> you haven't uh, heard any word on anything like that yet? No, not yet. Okay. I go, I, I go online daily, and I'm just like, is there anything about season five? Is there anything about season five? <laughs> because I get ex- I get excited. Um, I I did an Emmy submission for stunt coordinator Merritt Yonker who's been in the business for over 30 years and looking at this season, we got to do a lot of different and creative uh, fights. Yeah. So if season five takes place, I can only assume that we'd get to have even more fun. Yeah. Now, uh, so what has it been like working on this season, having been given that renewed lease and uh, knowing that you had a full season to kind of stretch your wings a little bit? Well, when you work in TV, you work in TV. It's, it's not a movie where you get weeks or months of prep. Uh, it's literally uh, one day to go ahead and shoot the previs, the blueprint, and then you present it. The director might have notes, but you don't really go back and get a chance to correct it. So the amount of time is still limited, but what I've learned to do is uh, utilize that time and come to an understanding that, hey, I'm working on a TV show. What's realistic and what's possible? So this year, the nice thing is that the producers realize that I need time for previs. So <laughs> we'd be able to go ahead and prep for 12 hours as opposed nice. to like an eight hour prep, which is nice um, because I was able to go ahead and catch everything I needed to catch and, you know, be able to present the vision, the, the fight to yeah. everybody the way I felt like uh, it would be ready to do so speaking of that vision though uh there's uh in, in one of the recent episodes there's this huge fight scene that came together really nicely it looked great on screen um uh, first of all do you know which one i'm talking about i believe you're talking about the fight in episode three yeah again dan and may's fighting against uh, los exes excellent fight scene how did that whole thing develop well we have an amazing writer his name is jason ning and um whenever he writes an episode, everyone's like, it's a Jason episode, it's a Jason episode, so it's going to have a lot of action. <laughs> Last season, Jason went ahead and wrote uh, the episode where Amenadiel fought Pierce, Tom Welling and D.B. Woodside. So that was our big fight. So naturally, Jason needs to have the biggest fights. So there's a we, – we have a meeting, we have a, con- we have a conference, and we go over the script, and we talk about ideas, and uh, our director, Jessica um, – told us that she wanted to try to do some John Wick stuff. Nice. So we implemented a little bit of Hapkido with our Maze character. I brought in uh, Dennis Rule mm-hmm. to be one of the bad guys and to help uh, facilitate that choreography bit. We went location scouting. We got to the location. And if you look at the fight, the fight consists of three different areas. Uh, there's the bit where uh, Dan pretty much walks in and is asking for the leader, that's located in the middle of this um, rundown theater. Where Maze enters, that's on the far left of the theater, and then there's the stage on the far right. So Jessica, our director, clearly uh, noted to me that she wants particular actions to take all over the place, 
they tie up together and then they go to the stage to finish out the fight. And I'm also very grateful and fortunate to be working with the people at Lucifer because if they can, they will allow me to prep on location. Oh, wow. Okay. Which, which is great because it helps out everybody. I talk with the DP and I find out in which direction he's going to want to shoot, um, you know, which side he's going to favor. So I try to make the previs look as close to the final product as I can. You know, it's it's a blueprint that essentially goes out to everyone, even the editors. So they have something to follow because on the day, you know, we're shooting two, three different cameras, take after take after take, because I'm a lunatic, you know? <laughs> so there's a lot of unity in that sense. Sure. But overall, you know, it's it's from being able to go ahead and get my performers to start moving around. I get a day for that, a day with the actors to rehearse, and then we shoot. What was it like on set then once uh, you had all of that stuff uh, in place and you were getting ready to, to start shooting? Is there that still that kind of electric energy when you know that you're going to be putting something together that uh, could be really super exciting on screen? Oh, definitely. Everyone's excited. And I think the reason is also because they get a chance to look at the previs and they have an idea of what it is that we're all working together to create. And this, we, we, we make sure that we have storyboards and um, there's a certain pacing that we get into when working on Lucifer. And I don't know how, but we just managed to make our day by the end of the day. It's great. <laughs> well, how much time did they actually have to prepare for this one? Uh, as, as far as pre-production goes or prepare for it, like on the day, how much time do we have to shoot the fight? In, yeah, and on that day. Let's see. I think it was a 14-hour day. And I believe we had a good uh, six to eight hours, maybe, maybe a little bit more. <laughs> How many takes? It all depended on the gags. Like uh, at the very end, the maze character throws Brian Slaughter and he does what I call a waterfall <laughs> where he, he rolls off of our Dan double, hits the deck and continues to roll and hits the bottom deck. We had Brian do that twice on the day but when we were previsiting it i think i asked him to do it maybe three to six times <laughs> wow you know, so so the so essentially everyone practices and practices and practices on the day that's why i make him do so many takes right on the previous day and then when we're actually filming they're all set to go for as uh, minimum takes as possible but working with the actors was great like leslie ann was on top of her game she's been doing this for three seasons and she also worked on spartacus so she's got a little bit of action uh, background and then uh, my biggest concern when we were designing this fight was the Dan character. Dan's never had a fight scene in the show. And I'm just like, oh, my God, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? How much training time am I going to get? And uh, everyone kept uh, reassuring me that Dan's great. Uh, Kevin Alejandro's great. Kevin's great. Kevin's great. Kevin's great. And I'm like, cool, cool. And, you know, in this industry, many times producers, directors, writers, whoever will tell you that someone is great. But in our industry, you can't take anyone's word until you actually <laughs> see the person right. do something. That's mm. just the honest truth. It's like, they're great. Sure. And you're like, you know, shaking your head up and down. Sure, yes. Wise, wide open. Um, but sure enough, when we had our rehearsal with Kevin, he was amazing. Yeah, cool. Uh, I, think, I think this might have been his first action scene, fight scene, period. And wow. he kicked ass. <laughs> You were, you're talking about the uh, working with the the directors and uh, I guess the showrunners. When we last talked, you were talking about how you had that kind of leeway to previs and 
be a, a little bit involved in the editing so that you got that vision that uh, was what you wanted uh, and what the director wanted and you found that that happy medium. Has that expanded a little bit? Have you been able to maintain that level of collaboration going into season four? Yes, yes. But it's always up to the director if they want me in there or not. Hmm. If, if the director is comfortable enough to ask me to come in. Or, you know, w- one day uh, Joe Henderson walks by and he's like, have you seen the fight in episode seven? It's fucking awesome. It's great. Go <laughs> check it out. In which case, I'm like, hell yeah, I can go to the editing room. But yes, um, they, I think they value my opinion. Um, but because the editors get the previews ahead of time, they have a format to follow. Mm. And for the most part, I'm very happy with the edits that they make. When I walk in there, once again, I don't want to step on anyone's toes. Everyone does sure. an amazing job. Everyone's got their own opinion on how to do things and this and that. But if I really feel like there should be a particular cut or change, then I ask for it. Mm. And if it happens, it happens with the final edit. Yeah, one of the things that I really like about uh, your social media presence, uh, you do uh, one of these side-by-side views of the previous action and I guess the final cut. Uh, and it's it's really cool to see how you have it all set up in previs and how it comes out. And uh, for the most part, for the ones that you post anyway, it's pretty close to what you visualized. Um, so that must feel kind of cool to to know that what you have set down visually gets carried out to further that story along and, and kind of meet the director's expectations. Yes. See, the thing is with previs, I any work that I do, I take seriously. But with previs especially more so than anything else, because it's kind of like your um, interview submission. Mm-hmm. Um, the first time I worked on Lucifer uh, was for the hallway fight in season three, where Lucifer takes on the Korean gang. And I went ahead and shot the previous and I presented it. And I think that's what initially started uh, the, the relationship between myself and everyone that worked at Lucifer and trusting me and my vision because the goal is to show people that you know how to tell a story when you're previsioning. You want to be able to show someone the scene without the set, you know, without the lighting and all that. But you, you want to be able to let them know that this can be the final product. And when people see a good final product, they get super excited and they want to go ahead and create more good final products. So I'm also known as, Vlad the previous guy over there, you know, like, (laughs) for for example, going back to episode three, Jessica told us that she was new to directing action. And uh, Lisa, our first AD, just out loud, she's all like, don't worry, Vlad's going to have a previous. Vlad's going to have a previous. And it's great because it allows directors to go ahead and see a live storyboard of, of, of a particular vision that they might not be so comfortable, you know, seeing themselves. Because the action director role is still something that's slowly evolving in Hollywood. Whereas overseas, like China and Thailand, that's something that's been around for some time. So going back to the side-by-side previews, I just want to let people know that, hey, it is possible to get something as close to the blueprint as, as you can, if you have a good product. Like, you can't half-ass it. I tell people, you, when I do my workshops, you can't go 70%. Don't go 70%. Uh, you don't see actors, you know, like if there's a crying scene, you don't see an actor crying 70%. You don't see some people taking car hits 70% or getting decelerated at 70%. Like 
So why would you go ahead and hold back in fights? Why would you go ahead and hold back in any of the work that you do? Always give it everything you've got, you know? Whether it's a good show or a bad show in humans, it doesn't matter. (laughs) (laughs) You know? Um, Not everyone, though, is going to go ahead and value the work that you give them. Like, I hear that there are directors out there that are like, I don't want a previs. Don't tell me how to do my job. I've never worked with these people, but I hear stories. I'm in the industry, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I'm just very lucky to be working with a group of people that get excited to do the show, and um, they value my creativity and my creative vision. And it's just a group of people that are on top of their shit working together. Yeah, you know, it's it when when you're going to work, it shouldn't be like ah, oh, I can't wait for this day to be over. It's got to be like hell yeah, I'm going to work. You know, hell yeah, I get to play in make-believe land. Hell yeah, yeah. I'm playing with G.I. Joe dolls. There are some people out there that say, like, we're going to war, we're going to war, but it's like, we play in make-believe land. We shouldn't be going to war, Yeah, you know? Um, it's just being able to convey your message to the people and know how to talk to them and try to do a good job. And uh, if it's not a fun show, well, then, you know, just keep your mouth shut, do your job, and on to the next one until you can find that group of people that value your work. Yeah. Speaking of value and work, though, you uh, actually got to step things up a little bit, and you were second unit director for uh, an episode, I believe, of the show? Yes, I got to second unit direct the season finale of uh, Lucifer. Wow. How much more involved is that whole process? What does that entail going from, I guess, the action director side of it to a full second unit director? Um, It was still the same amount of workload plus a little bit more. Same amount, Mm -hmm. meaning I went ahead and I prepped the fight. I, will, I asked for two days. I let production know that I can't previs this three, four-minute finale without two days. That was the biggest change. And uh, then I got some time to go ahead and piece it together. And then the first thing I did was I presented it to the producer, then presented it to the director, and then the writers and the executive producers and everybody else uh, just to get their inputs on it. So the first pass that I made was great. Everyone loved it. And then the work began. (laughs) (laughs) So I went ahead and I created my own beat sheet. I created storyboards for that beat sheet. And then I created like a bird's eye view with camera placements for those beat shots per request of the director, Eagle Eagleson. So that way everyone would be on board and we could try to get through things as fast as we can. Because uh, first unit's shooting in the same location that I am and I'm getting X amount of time to go ahead and cover everything else. But, you know, doing paperwork and setting up uh, PDF files, that's a lot of tedious work. (laughs) That is a lot of tedious work. Paperwork in general is a lot of tedious work. And, you know, that's why stunt coordinators have assistants and uh, this and that. Uh, But it was a good experience for me. Whenever I do anything new, I just welcome it and I embrace it because I want to learn. If I force myself from learning, then I will not be able to grow. And growth is super important in this industry. And speaking of DGA, um, I, I, I just brought it up to the UPM, Joan, and asked if it'd be a possibility you know, to, to get my DGA this season. And she said, let, let me speak with uh, Hilton, Hilton Smith, our producer. So they got back to me a few weeks later saying that there might be a possibility for a second unit. And I'm like, oh, shit, okay. Yeah. So there might be a possibility. Those are magical words. But at the same time, in this industry, it's like nothing is confirmed until you sign the contract, until you're working. You know, 
So I had high hopes, but I was also trying to be realistic, like, hey, maybe this won't happen. Then uh, we're we're sitting at um, the table reading, and uh, the producer looks at me, and he's like, yeah, so we'll go ahead and uh, put in a couple of second unit days for that. And looks at me, and I'm like, fuck yeah. <laughs> so I got super excited, and it's a big deal because in this industry, um, if, if you talk about the ladder system, you have your stunt people who then might become fight choreographers, who then might become fight coordinators, then become an assistant stunt coordinator or go to stunt coordinator. And then the stunt coordinator is the one that transitions into the second unit directing job. Fight coordinators don't say, uh, transition like that. that. That's not normal. Ah, uh, okay. So, so, so there's a hierarchy, if you will. But uh, working with Merritt a second season... You know, I, I wanted to show him that uh, I'm capable and I can do it. I think the work spoke for itself when we would go ahead and do previs. And Merritt had me cover him once to, you know, to make sure that I kind of know what I'm doing, even if I'm doing a little bit of stunt coordination, which was very, very nice of him. So for me to be able to go ahead and do what I did, I mean, like it had to be okayed by the stunt coordinator and then the director had to okay it. Everybody had to be on board. And fortunately for me, I had worked with Eagle on season three twice, once in the middle of the season and then on the season finale. So he'd seen my previous work and he'd seen my style of uh, choreography and fight coordination. And um, everyone was on board to have me second unit direct. It was it was an amazing experience. Uh, I, I was on cloud nine the entire time, even though there was uh, quite a bit of chaos the second day. You know, <laughs> I'm like, it's all good. I love it. I can't wait sure. to do more. Now, you have second unit directed before, though, haven't you? I've actually directed in India. Um, actually, I, I told people that my last day at Apple is September 18, 2014. And that it might actually be September 19th. And that, that's the day <laughs> where I stopped working a quote-unquote regular job and started to pursue what I love doing. Um, wow. That summer, we were prepping a movie uh, for Larnell. Uh, mm -hmm. Manny and I, and we had Guy Da Silva and Michael Lair be our main characters. And it was an Indian remake of the American movie Warrior with uh, Tom Hardy. Nice. So uh, Lionsgate reached out to J.J. Perry. J.J. passed the show on to Larnell. And uh, we were doing the show, and um, Larnell had to go work on another movie, and he sent a team of five of us out there. And I became the action director on the movie. And I was also the referee. So it was great. I, I got to be in yes, front of the right. camera. And <laughs> after, after every take, I go run and take a look at it and see if we move on or not. That was, that was great. And then I also edited all the action scenes. Wow. So it was a, it was a shit ton of work. <laughs> it was a great learning experience. Yeah. And, and to keep things political... I may or may not have influenced uh, the way certain things have come out. If you look at the previous <laughs> side by side, you know, <laughs> like I said, I, I don't want to step on anyone's toes. I know where my position is. You know, I'm cool. I got, I, I can second unit direct, but if someone calls me into previous, right, I keep my mouth shut and I just do my job. And it's like, yeah. cool, I'm here to do your job or his job. And I think that's where a lot of conflicts begin because um, someone might go up to a producer and say, hey, you know, I can do their job and I'll do it for cheap. And it's like, no, 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 no. Let, let's, let's keep doing the way we're doing things. And, you know, 
get your own show and then uh, action direct or sure. fight coordinate. But come on in and do the job that you're asked to do. Don't yeah. uh, multitask multiple jobs that no one really cares if you do them. It has to help, though, that you – at least I get the sense that you actually – have respect for the people that you're working with uh, on Lucifer. Um, it sounds like a good working relationship for you all around. Is that the case? Yes. Yes. From the set decorator to the editors, you know, I, I, I love everyone. <laughs> Every, everyone's great. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm very lucky yeah. um, to be working with a group of people that I'm working that really care about my ideas and my presentations you know, not not just the producers and the writers, but especially Merritt, the stunt coordinator, mm -hmm. for giving me the freedom to go ahead and be creative in my art. That's cool. What have been, if anything, then, what have been the hardest parts of the season so far? There were two things. The first most difficult thing was probably the second day of second unit. Uh, the reason being is because it was a super long day. The second unit team and I were supposed to start around uh, 6.30 p.m., we didn't get going until 11, and we had to be out of the Mayan by, I think, uh, 1.30, 2 o'clock. And I'm just like, uh, there are so many pieces, and we have so much work to do, but what can I do? If we have to leave, we have to leave. And then uh, the UPM, Joan, comes up to me, and she says, I need you to finish it. And I'm all like, hell yeah. Thank you so much. <laughs> so I went ahead, and I looked over one of those storyboards that I created for everybody that I printed out. And I've had this uh, storyboard pamphlet with me all throughout uh, the day and the previous day while filming. And as we go through shots, I X them out. For, mm -hmm. for, for, for anyone that's, you know, thinking about uh, making their life easier, I'm just giving you guys some notes. Have those storyboards <laughs> so you X them out and you know where the hell you are and what the hell you have to do. So then I, would, I got together with everyone, with the team. Guy Da Silva, I, I refer to him a lot just because he and I have been working together for a while, seven years now. Mm. So he has an idea of what it is I like and, you know, ideas that I think are creative and useful. So um, we went over uh, the storyboard in the fight and we started taking things out because that's what you do when you're pressured on time. Sure. And unfortunately, uh, Amenadiel's fight was the one that had the least amount of time. So I was very disappointed. No, I can't say I was disappointed. I mean, it's like, hey, this is the way it is. This is the business. We got a lot done, and I was very happy. But uh, would I have wished we could have completed it? Definitely. Am I happy with the way it turned out? Oh, hell yeah. You know, I, cool. I think it's a damn good uh, finale. But the second thing uh, that I was a little bit upset about, unpleased with, was uh, the episode uh, where we had our honky-tonk bar fight, episode four. Uh, which okay. goes ahead and kicks ass in uh, the bar. Yep. And the reason I was a little bit upset with that was because um, the director, Sherwin Shalati, wanted to go ahead and recreate a scene from The Kingsman mm. where it was a continuous one take. Uh, yeah, okay. So we had one day, 12 hours to go ahead and prep it, and then one day, 12 hours to go ahead and shoot it. And we did it. We kicked so much ass. It was amazing. <laughs> I'm holding back in my chair, swinging my arms right now up and down like, hell yeah. Everyone kicked ass. And the reason it was great was because it's pretty much a one camera deal. Yeah, that was a cool scene. Yeah. So there was a lot more, a lot more gags, a lot more like hard stunts um, that were taken out. And after seeing the final product, I understand why. 
it's because they want to go ahead and show how Eve's sexuality starts craving towards Lucifer more and more. Yeah. So, like if you go online and you and you watch the fight on YouTube, a lot of those comments that we have on there is that look at that uh, lip bite, look at the lip bite, that lip bite, right, that right. lip bite, right. and we all know what that signifies. Sure. And um, they put it very well together. You know, uh, one day I'll be able to go ahead and release the previs. <laughs> and I'll have a little bit of side-by-side. Side. But uh, it was a great day. Tom Ellis kicked so much ass. Yeah, it was just, it was great. This whole season has been wonderful just because I've been able to go ahead and bring more people on board. Mm. I love being able to work with my friends. I love being able to give work to the people that I see are passionate about their craft and know where their skill set is at. You know, I just like to work with people that pay attention and, you know, listen to instructions and, I was very fortunate again to have Merritt allow me to bring on anyone that I want to bring. This season, he told me I trust the guys you bring on board. Oh, cool! And that—that's that was a big compliment. That's that's a big compliment coming from someone you know that has the authority and the power to hire whoever he wants to hire. What I start doing it, when I watch. Uh, the episodes is I start looking to see if there are people that I recognize. So I'll pick out, you know, there, there's Brian Sloyer or there's um, Gita Silver or there's, um, I think in one of, in that honky tonk scene, I think uh, Brian Lee gets his face slammed into a table. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> Whenever someone says Brian Lee, I just have to do the Brian Lee voice. Boom, 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 boom. Because he's so awesome. I was so glad to be able to bring him on board because I think we spoke last time and you asked who I would want to go ahead and be able to shoot something with. And then yep. it was Brian and Andy because whenever I bring him out, it's only for like five seconds on the big wreck. And that's it. And I feel like shit for doing that. But being able to bring him out and have him make some money, you know, it's like a thank you. Uh, sure. But Brian goes hard. And yeah. one of the things you don't see is when um, Lucifer goes ahead and gives him that drop kick while he's being yep. held by Pengy, yep. our big guy. Uh, Brian hits the deck so hard. I think we did that take seven to 10 times. <laughs> yeah. He hits the deck hard no matter what he's doing anyway, though. Yes. He wrecks <laughs> hard because he told me, he's like, boo-boo, I feel cool when I wreck. And I'm like, hell yeah. You know, that's a beautiful thing to say because it expresses and shows the amount of love you have for your craft, for your yeah. passion. That's funny. Because there are some people out there that'll hit the mat, but they won't hit the ground as hard. And, you know, I tell people, hey, listen, I might not hit the ground, but you can go ahead and kick me, punch me anywhere, and I'll keep my eyes wide open. I won't <laughs> blink. You know, I'll do other things. I'll fight. But yeah, uh, Brian was in there. I'm not sure if you spotted Tony Vittorioso. Tony is a gentleman in one of my short films, Os3. He mm. gets really banged up by Brendan. Uh, but Tony's in the beginning of it. He also uh, gets tossed by Amy Studevant. Oh, okay, yep. A lot of references to her in all the uh, YouTube comments. <laughs> um, Gita Silva's in that one, as well as yep. the finale. Um, I, I brought in uh, Pingy, who was also in episode one. He's one <laughs> of the uh, thieves, the mass thieves. Yeah, okay, uh, yeah. Brian cool. Cartago from Kung Fu Jungle. He makes an appearance at the end. That's awesome. Yeah. One of the things that I really admire about that whole community that you work with and I've spoken to several of your colleagues. I've spoken to Guy. Uh, I just recently spoke to Emmanuel Manzanares. Uh, so um, that whole crew uh, seems like such a good group to be a part of that is 
so supportive and is always looking out for one another. Uh, that's that seems like a pretty rare combination, though, because uh, you're all coming up, and it's it's really easy for one person to go. You know what? You're in my way. Just let me do my thing and just step off. But you know, you're in a position where you can bring them in, and you do, and and they come in and they work hard for you. And you know, if it was the other way around, I have a feeling that they would do the same for you. Oh, definitely. Uh, the reason I have Lucifer is because I had worked with a particular gentleman who I shall not name. Uh, <laughs> but, but but he he's the one that essentially gave me the call and asked me if I'd be interested to work on this show called Lucifer as a fight coordinator. I'm like, yeah, cool, no problem. He's like, it'll probably be a couple of weeks. I'm like, sure, whatever, you know, uh, send him my way. And sure enough, like uh, two to four weeks later, I get a phone call from Merritt. And here I am uh, talking about how I joined DGA. And hell yeah. So, um, but, but back to go, going back to the community, we all come from a place of love. Yeah. We all started doing this because we loved watching martial art movies. Now, the industry will go ahead and take someone and change that person. Sure. You know, I, I've seen a lot. I'm not going to say colleagues. I've seen a lot of individuals uh, that have come from all sorts of backgrounds change once they started seeing success in this industry, you know, it's like this uh, side of them comes out. But the rest of us, we continue to work with love, you know. <laughs> love, lo- lo- love is the greatest gift that we can have. And I think this is me talking because of my child. Sure. You know, uh, because I have something so beautiful in my life, <laughs> it, it, it makes me want to give. Yeah. And as I said earlier, I want to give back to the people that I see work hard and dedicate themselves to something. And people like Manny and I, we came from that place of love and dedication for our art. Yep. And, um, you know, this industry is very difficult. People will put black eyes. People will say things about you, you know, rumors and this and that. But it's like, hey, there's enough work for everyone. There's no need for all this unhealthy competition. We should have healthy competition. For me, healthy competition is like when Brian Sawyer releases a short like Arthur or Little Lion Girl, I just want to go ahead and I need to shoot something because I'd be like, "Mm." (laughs) at least another one. I have to make something and let people know I exist. You know, that's, that's healthy competition. Unhealthy competition is, you know, as you had mentioned earlier, like someone coming in and it's like, this is my show, this is my show. And in this industry, you can't succeed by going at it alone. You need people. You need that circle, you know, because without it, there's no support. And in this industry, you get broken several times and you're going to need that support to help you keep going. That's just the honest truth. You know, it's, it's not... All beautiful. And I think that goes for just about anything in life. It doesn't matter how great things are, you know, sometimes they turn up a little bit sour and you got to make sure you have the right people around you. Yeah. That, that, that energy is important. And that's what I found with Lucifer. That energy is just so great. I feel like everyone's always on this natural high of just coming into work. And awesome. when, I, when I try to pay back to the guys, I want to keep it the same way. That's cool. That's very cool. Now, with the success of Lucifer, at least for season four, uh, and many more su- successes coming your way, I'm sure, are you going to still 
fuel that competition with your uh, fellow uh, filmmakers and and cr- still keep creating shorts, short films to just keep that creative juice burning. Oh, definitely, I have to. Yeah, and the reason I have to is because I create art for the people, and when you do that, you get paid. And kids, when you get paid, you start making a living, and then you have bills and expenses, and you have kids, and you fly to <laughs> India, and you do this and that. So, so when you're an artist, just so everyone knows, when you're an artist, you have to create for other people so they pay you, because if they don't pay you, you your art will be limited. Mm. You know, it's like I I remind Mr. Brian Sawyer, like, hey, go work so that way you can make more of your stuff. You you can invest and you can do bigger things and better things and have better gear and this and that. So we're not always shooting in the woods in the park. <laughs> you know, uh, Brian's actually going to be a guest of mine. Yes. he. I saw him at Jam today and you told me that he's going to be a guest. And I was looking at him going like, ha, 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 finally. finally. <laughs> but it's good. This is great because we need this practice. In this industry, being able to communicate with people directly yeah. is very important, especially over the phone. I learned the hard way. Uh, before I went to India the second time and eventually met my wife, I got a phone call from Disney because Isaac Florentine had recommended that um, I go ahead and stunt coordinate Casey undercover. Wow. And the executive producer from Disney called me and he said, let's get a meeting. And I'm like, um, I am supposed to be leaving to India. And is it okay if I recommend someone to you? Oh, <laughs> never, wow. heard from, never heard back from them. You know? Uh. <laughs> Yeah, so so it's very important to be able to communicate in this industry. And I think one of the best communicators that I've had the pleasure to witness is J.J. Perry. Mm. Um, so there's that aspect. And then you also know how to write. Uh, you have to know how to communicate in that sense. Like whenever you're sending budgets or you're trying to explain something to other people or you're just introducing yourself to get a job, you know. A lot of different aspects to this industry, the higher up you go. There's more work. There's more paperwork to be done. There are more skill sets that you need to acquire that go outside of your physical capabilities. Mm. You have to start digging into your mind. You know? <laughs> and using that, kids, you got to use your mind, too. <laughs> outside of your comfort zone for everything that you're doing with, right? Yes. And um, going back to short films, I want to try to do two short films a year. Um, I was going to shoot something uh, very similar to what Brian Sawyer did. It's a short film called Spot. This is the name of his short, uh, promoting Brian Sawyer. Everyone go check out Brian Sawyer on YouTube because he's a (laughs) damn good guy. Yeah. And he makes me want to go shoot stuff, which is a very good and healthy thing. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But but that uses the idea of um, people as dogs. And um, I had one crazy dog tournament idea, and I'm just like saying it out to the public, and people are going to take it. Maybe they won't, but who cares? So I've had this other <laughs> short that I wanted to do with um, Andrew Franklin and Aaron Alexander. Uh, but the location, when I went to go look at the location, again, half of the rooftop was painted white, so it was just a bunch of glare. Mm. And I couldn't see anything, so we're looking for something different right now. But I started talking to some more people, and I really want to get that aspect of my life going again, the uh, indie filmmaking. Because, as I was saying earlier, when people pay you, you make art for them. Yep. And I need to make sure that I make art for myself. Mm-hmm. Then on the on the payment side of things, then, the big question is, will Lucifer be coming back for season five? And if it does, 
will you still be involved? That is a great question. I have no idea. I would love to be a part of it. Um, definitely. Yeah. Uh, the, the, there are some factors involved. Okay. It, it, in this industry, the beautiful thing about this industry is that in the beginning of the year, you have no idea what it is you're going to be doing. Sure. You know, you, you, you could be unemployed for a week, uh, three months, six months, and then all of a sudden you're working for the next year and a half, two, three, four, five years. It's, it's a very beautiful and disgusting industry at the same time. Uh, <laughs> I hope that Lucifer gets renewed. I'm not sure if I put it out there last time saying that, oh, it would be great if I got DGA on Lucifer, but if I did, hell yeah. And I'm just going to put it out like, you know, it'd be great if I got to direct an episode on Lucifer, you know, I nice. stare into the ceiling. Uh, but we'll see. <laughs> I, I definitely love to be a part of it. Uh, if I'm not on something else and um, everyone's on board, then hell yeah. Yeah. Uh, just because on Lucifer, you get to do a lot of different things. Yeah. Everyone's got their own very unique uh, sense of fighting. And uh, that excites me. And it's also challenging to make TV look pretty good. <laughs> and I think we're doing a pretty damn good job with that. That you are. So, so hell yeah to everyone. <laughs> so, all right. If uh, if Lucifer doesn't happen, what else do you have on your plate? What's coming next from Vlad Rimberg? That is a great question. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you why that is a great question. Because as I'm telling you about this question, I'm also thinking, how do I respond? Um, oh, you got some stuff up your sleeve. I hope so. <laughs> I hope so listen, in, in this industry, you start talking to people and then things might happen. Things might not happen. Um, you know, you'll talk to someone and then six months later, they give you a call and say, all right, cool. Uh, we approve your budget and uh, let's go ahead and get this thing going. Ooh, but until wow, then, okay. like, I, I really have nothing set in stone. I'm just uh, enjoying the time with the baby. Um, I got off a show that I can't talk about, but it was an amazing experience. I definitely learned a lot. It was great. And um, what else? Yeah, I'm just going to try to shoot my own stuff. I'm editing reels for people. So if you're a stunt performer or a fight stunt coordinator, even a second unit director, and you need a reel, contact Vlad at vjvlad at yahoo.com. Nice. Very cool. Uh, you're also holding um, workshops still, yes? Yes. Um, I try to do one workshop a year. Now, earlier I was talking about uh, paying back to the people I feel dedicate themselves to the art and really work their ass off. When I do these workshops, I encourage people to go out and shoot the actual thing. Otherwise, why did you just practice for three hours and then go home and pay me? You know, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm trying to bestow wisdom upon thee, you know? <laughs> and um, unfortunately, I think, well, the first time, probably 3% went ahead and shot the fight. This time, maybe 10% or 5%. It's, it's gradually growing. So I don't, I don't do these workshops for money. I do it because I want to go ahead and help people. You know, I want to show them something new. I don't want to just be like, all right, cool, here's Hong Kong-style choreography. Uh, no, why don't you do something different so you stand out so people notice you? Because I feel like that's how I made my entrance into this uh, scene. So I'm trying to help and guide people to do the same. But I will be doing another workshop. It will be a free workshop. Travis, it's going to be a free workshop. Travis Wong, it's going to be a free workshop. <laughs> uh, I, uh, But I will limit the amount of people. Just because the last couple of workshops, we got past the number that is allowed to go ahead and come into the facility. So, so that's great. 
I mean, I guess people want to see and listen to what I have to say, but they just don't want to go ahead and do what I have to say. Uh, but I do want to do a free workshop. It will be Hong Kong based. And uh, I want to set it up where people will actually go home with the footage. Oh, wow. Cool. So, so something different, you know, something to give back to the community. Because uh, when I started in this industry, in the minor leagues, that would be the in the film world, I had to, from Los Angeles, I had to drive to San Diego, San Bernardino, and San Francisco to get any filming done. That's passion right there. Yeah. Every month, at least once a month, I'd be in San Francisco filming. Um, and that's dedication. Because uh, none of the players over here wanted to shoot with me. They didn't know who the hell I was. Mm-hmm. And now I'm more or less in a position where if I reach out to someone and ask if they would like to be part of a Vlad Grimberg short, I think the majority of people would say yes. That's cool. And that's cool because I want to work with a lot of different people and I feel like I can bring out, uh, I can bring out the best in them. Things that they didn't even know they could do or certain performances. That's awesome. I'm going to put it out right now. I want to be in a, in a Vlad Rimberg short as just someone that dies. Done. Hell yeah. <laughs> We're going to make that happen. All right. Sweet. Sweet. Um, I, I am taking martial arts, but I'm not at anywhere near the level that you and your crew <laughs> are at. So if you try to make me do anything other than die, um, I may actually die. <laughs> No, 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 it'll be great. One of the beautiful things about working TV is that you get experience with people that um, don't have access to martial arts on a regular basis. So you're literally showing them things, you know, the day before. Sure. And you have to teach them how to sell that. And I think I've been doing a pretty decent job cool. uh, with the actors on the show and with actors and performers in general on things that I've worked on. And I feel like we can make you a pretty awesome <laughs> badass. Ah, uh, you believe in miracles. That's awesome. <laughs> hey, listen, my, my, my life is a miracle. I, I went to India and God knows how I met this woman. And now we have a beautiful baby. I, yeah, I got DGA awesome. in three and a half years of joining SAG, you know, like miracles do happen, but you gotta, you gotta put that energy out. You gotta work for it. And you have to know kids. You have yep. to know that if you ask for something, and you really want it, you will be tested. Meaning you might be given it in the most fucked up way there is. And you can't go back and think about, oh, I should have done this or should have done that. It's like, no, you got to keep going. You got to keep taking all those little baby steps to get to the end goal. You know, people forget like, oh, I don't want to do this. And when that doesn't happen, they get butthurt. Well, it's like you said you don't want to do that. If you're not ready for the effect of the cause, then you are not ready to grow. And if you are not ready to grow, then you will stay in the position that you are in. That's just been my belief. Yeah. I think maybe that's why I didn't work for five and a half months. You know? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, things came here and there, but for the most part, I had a great break with uh, my daughter before my sure. last gig. But yeah, like you, you have to be aware and you have to be responsible of what it is you're asking for and you're doing in, in anything. Yeah. Uh, one thing that I... I've always tried to um, live by is the uh, saying that preparation plus opportunity equals success. And I think uh, you're the epitome of being prepared and taking advantage of that opportunity and, uh, and, and running with it. So kudos to you, brother. Thank you. If, if, sorry, if I can just go ahead and piggyback off of that five and a half month break. So in that time, I, um, I went ahead and I edited some reels for some coordinators 
But because I had the break, I sat down and I started piecing things together like my side-by-side previous reel, like uh, this little female action design reel. You know, oh, that was cool, I, yeah. I've been making sure to let people know that, hey, my work is good enough that I have been recognized by X amount of people to go ahead and join the Director's Guild. So indie work is beautiful work because it allows you to go ahead and grow as an individual and set yourself up for success by practicing, by learning, by failing, by studying. You know, you don't really want to do that when you're working, but these things do happen. So doing things on your own will somewhat prepare you for things to happen on a much grander scale. That's very cool. So everything that's going on with the success for you, I'm sure all of that pales in comparison to when you hold little Sabar in your hands. Oh, of course. It's, <laughs> it, it's the greatest joy, especially uh, when she goes ahead and pees all over me. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Enjoy that while you can because it stops and then you're like, hey, you remember when she used to pee all over me? But that's very cool. Listen, best of luck with everything. Best of luck with fatherhood. Best of luck with uh, Lucifer. Uh, hopefully there is a season five and beyond. And uh, I, I do hope that you continue with that role. Uh, I'm a fan of your work. I'm a fan of your positivity and your attitude and uh, what you give back to your community. So uh, I wish you many, much more success in your future. And uh, thanks again for stopping by. Once again, thank you so much for allowing me to come back anytime you want to talk about anything, whether it's, uh, you know, film related or weird, glad stories, or, uh, <laughs> you know, you and I can go on YouTube at the exact same time and watch a clip and just dissect it. Um, Sweet. I'm down, you know, it, it's, it's really great talking with you and, uh, you make things fun. Thank you. So awesome. Much. I'm so, I'm so glad. I'm so glad. And I will definitely take you up on that. Vlad Rimberg, best of luck. Enjoy the rest of the evening, man. Thank you. Oh yeah. Thank you. Kung Fu driving podcast for having me on first huge thanks to vlad rimberg for coming back to the show now funny note not that long ago vlad didn't do interviews in general in fact he said that his first official interview was right here on the kung fu driving podcast and if you can believe this he said that he was sweating bullets while talking to me now it was a huge honor back then for him to even join me on the show but to come back a second time that always warms my heart because it means that i did good by him the first go-round Without question, Vlad is one of the coolest cats I've gotten to talk to yet, so I do hope we get a chance to talk some more, and as soon as I can get out to LA, I'm hitting him up to kill me in one of his short films. Also, shortly after we recorded this episode, news came down that Lucifer has indeed been picked up for a fifth and final season by Netflix, so congrats to the entire cast and crew, and of course, to Vlad, who will hopefully be coming back for another kick-ass season of Hell on Earth. And follow Vlad on Instagram and Facebook at Vlad Rimberg, or check out his work on YouTube at VJ Vlad. That's VJ V L A D. As for me, at Kung Fu Driving Podcast on Instagram, at Kung Fu Driving on Twitter and Facebook, and of course you can email me Kung Fu Driving at gmail.com. While you're on Twitter, check out the hashtag Castaways for some of my podcast buddies. And speaking of podcasts, if you like the show, please consider heading over to iTunes and dropping a star rating or review because it really does help me out. That's going to do it for this episode, everybody. So until next time, Poison Clan, peace. Poison Clan rocks the world.
Bones in a tea house, ready for some action Drink a little wine, we're getting drunk and then we're fighting Ha! This time it's warm We smash the place up with a dragon claws We're walking to the tea house, ready for some action Drink a little wine, we're getting drunk and then we're fighting Ha! This time it's warm We smash the place up with a dragon claws I see the iron fisted bunk before the daily prayers Shouting monks on their hands, running down the thousand stairs The fate of Lee Khan, now's in King Yu's hands With the fearless Aida roaming over the land Yeah, the little big soldier is older and wiser He wants a world of peace because he doesn't want to fight Yo, got the venom mob laying down the law Bruce Lee delivered kicks, guaranteed to great jars Fight for the cars, then pause, hear the applause Not again, back kicks will defeat the outlaws Very good, but balls don't hit back Yeah, the death jewels here, Derry D is coming back the Tai Chi master, jelly's even faster Bitch had a little drink because he is the drunken master Once upon a time in China Rosamund Kwan is real fine But see Maggie show his spine Golden Swallow has arrived Shang Chi movies will the hero will survive We've got the brave archer make his way to the top Of the mountain gonna fight, may as well pick the spot Yeah the sky goes black, cut the vampires back We've got Lam Jin Ying to kill them all to so stand back You place the black magic on the soul of the sword And our sword will travel until his body's on floors Yeah Wing Chun Shaolin and Mantis style Yeah, defeat the enemy and watch you run for miles Blood will spill now on the mountain tops When we bring back the soul of the legendary pops Walking to the tea house, ready for some action Drink a little wine, we're getting drunk and then we're fighting ha. This time it's warm We smash the place up with a dragon claws We're walking to the tea house, ready for some action Drink a little wine, we're getting drunk and then we're fighting ha. This time it's war, we smash the place up with a dragon claw. See, it's a game of death, yo, you're facing the big boss. It's once upon a time in China, counting the TikTok. The shogun assassin slashing blood just drip drop. The head kick, neck drop, balance the bone stop. Wanna kill Bill, better get the assassins. He's got Irma just in yellow, but she is in the dragon, but in the tea rooms. That's where it'll happen. She got the bodies on the floor. When the blood, it'll splatter against the walls. No fear at all, to kill them all. There's always blood spilled when you head into a war. Fearless. Unleash the fist of legend that the car gently I'm Bolo Young, yo, I'll always be a beast You rumble in the Bronx, yo, I'm rumble in the streets And it's simple, see the facts are these It's only ever gonna be one Bruce Lee Walking to the tea house, ready for some action Drink a little wine, we're getting drunk and then we're fighting ha. This time it's warm, we smash the place up with a dragon claws We're walking to the tea house, ready for some action Drink a little wine